Hello and welcome to the Glampshire Podcast, where we talk about the experiential outdoor hospitality industry. I'm your host, Bobby Marston. I'm very excited for you to meet the guest on this episode. Her name is Chrissy McFerrin, and she is the owner-operator of Badger Creek Ranch, which is a 6,500-acre working cattle ranch and guest ranch located near Salida, Colorado. Chrissy is the true embodiment of what I would call a steward of the land. I knew this was true when we were sitting down to dinner with her and she said something that really resonated with me. She said, I don't work with the land, I work for the land. And I couldn't agree with that statement more. In this episode, we'll talk with Chrissy about how she practices regenerative agriculture, her educational programs that she offers on the ranch, and she has some good tips and advice for any would-be glamshirary owners out there. So without further ado, let's saddle up and I hope you enjoy the ride. Hi, Chrissy. Hi, Bobby. Welcome to the Glamshire Podcast. It's good to be here. Well, it's good to have you. I had the pleasure of staying with you, uh, I would say, probably as a brief stay over a weekend, because I know that you do longer stays usually, but in the two days that we were there, it was jam-packed with fun and excitement and enlightenment, and we just left feeling so fulfilled, you know, in our mind, body, and spirit. So we mm -hmm. want to thank you for being such a gracious host and also for taking the time to speak with us today. Mm. Well, it was great to have you, especially given that we were having a, a unique event, our open gate event. So to have you come and stay with us and participate in the event uh, was, it, it turned out to be a really special day. Yeah, it certainly did. And even considering the weather was kind of ominous at one point, <laughs> and then it, it seemed like literally at the very time that the event was supposed to start, the skies parted. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. It was. <laughs> so uh, first question I want to ask, and, and something I like to ask uh, anyone that uh, has started a business, is oftentimes when they start that business, it's not their first thing they've ever done in their life. They might have had a previous career. And so I'm curious, uh, what was the inspiration for you to move across the country and i'd love to hear you know about that whole process and and open up a ranch and then eventually open up uh, a glamping offering to to the public yeah good question um well i i was born in california so my bones are comfortable in the west that for me my body and spirit are connected to the west and I certainly love the East Coast and, uh, you know, we lived in the East Coast until 2015 when I decided to move West. And for me, I knew that I wanted to move back West and it was actually my 50th birthday party in a circle of very dear friends where I made a vow, <laughs> a commitment, like now is the time, it's time to follow um follow my heart and head back west. So be careful what you claim when you're amidst a group of really good close friends who will hold you accountable to that. And fortunate enough that um, my husband Dave was up for the adventure. Um, we were living on a farm in the panhandle of West Virginia and doing a variety of, um, we were offering retreats at the farm 
we, um, I was part of equine assisted growth and healing work at the farm. And then also raising um, chickens, eggs, and pork, uh, direct market sales um, in our community there. Uh, and it was, it's always been a dream to, um, I guess I would say, come back home to the West and to be in wide open spaces. And so we took a leap of faith and did it um, and found found Badger Creek Ranch. And that's, that's another story. Uh, <laughs> again, I feel uh, it was, um, gosh, just such a blessing and uh, an interesting story of how we came to be at that ranch and happened to find that ranch. And it, it offered everything that we were looking for in a ranch. Um, and so it wasn't like we looked for years. Uh, we, you know, we looked for, I would say about it was like four or five months. That's quick. Um, it's very quick. Everything happened very quickly. And, you know, when I was driving in to, to visit Badger Creek at one point, after about an hour being on a lone road, heading into what seemed like the abyss, <laughs> um, and uh, I checked MapQuest and I was like, well, am I going the right way? You know, it's not a piece of land that you just drive past and be like, oh, that looks interesting. Um, how did you go about your search? Uh, and, and I guess the second part of that question is in that search, how did you find a, a ranch that really kind of is in the middle of nowhere? Yeah, we so we had a checklist of um, kind of some aspects to it that we were looking for. Um, and one of, one of them was that it was already, uh, producing, like it was already a business, um, wasn't just raw land. It had a place to live. Uh, and so in my search and honestly, a lot of my searching was done online. Uh, and we weren't in Colorado, you know, we landed on Colorado, certainly looked, um, you know, some Montana and Wyoming and kept coming back to Colorado. So that seemed to be a deep knowing um, that that's where we were headed. And I remember the morning and, you know, and I'll be honest, I got quite um, addicted to looking at ranches online and, you know, like this is our future home. It's got to be out there. And I'll never forget one morning I got on and Badger Creek popped up, you know, it was kind of the first thing that popped up on the listing. And I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> And honestly, the feeling I felt in my body when I saw it right in my solar plexus and had that sense, I was like, this is it. And, and it was before I wow. got into it and um, started reading through it. But it, it was right from the get-go, it was a deep knowing. And, and, and then I started kind of going through the listing and looking some things and then, you know, out loud, even though I was by myself out loud, I was like, yep, yep, check, check. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then we, you know, we came, we had the same situation where we came out and it was winter time and the couple that owned it, um, the first thing they said was like, wow, it's amazing. You know, we're not snowed in. You were able to get in here. Lovely couple. Uh, and they were headed back to upstate New York. Um, they had been running it as a bed and breakfast, um, you know, had some cattle out there and we had a lovely, um, we just had a lovely day with them being out on the land. 
and it was really nice to hear from them when we explained our goals and our plans that, and one of the things she said is, wow, you could really take this to the next level. Um, yeah. And that was really cool. So, and it was remote. <laughs> it was certainly remote. I mean, coming in there um, and I, I think mostly we were just captured by the, the spirit of the land. Um, it was captivating. And in the, the entire time we were there walking around, I had that same sense, like, this is it. Um, you know, when you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say especially that's a good feeling to have when you're moving across the country and about yeah. to open up a business and embark on that kind of an adventure is you really want to know in your, your heart that you're yeah. making the right move. Yeah. You mentioned uh, something that stuck with me that I thought was was really cool during our stay, which which is that you want to work for the land, yeah, and not live on the land. And and I I would imagine that maybe was part of that feeling that you felt when you first arrived there. But talk a little bit about what's special about that that land, which happens to be six thousand five hundred acres. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the most important. Uh, fact about that land is that that land is sacred land uh, to the Ute uh, nation, the Ute people, and there are sites on that land that are sacred um, to the Ute people. And certainly there was also other tribes that came through that area for sure, um, Arapaho and Comanche. And um, the road that leads into the ranch is called Ute Trail. It was um, their hunting trails, and then, you know, when uh, it was settled, it turned into a, a road. Um, so I think in the very beginning was just such deep respect for the fact that we are stewarding this land, um, that honestly, it's not our land, it's their land. And um, so how to do that in a good way, and how can we be of service to the land? It really wasn't about, um, you know, a lot of times it's how does the land serve the business? Um, and it really is clear to me, clear to Dave that, no, it's actually the opposite. It's how can we, as the humans who are there really in this little blip of time, <laughs> in the big picture, it's like this little pinprick that we're there. It's like, how can we do the best possible job that we can do for the health of the land, um, for educating the public about the land, about how to tend the land, how to steward the land in a good way. Um, and so I think having that mindset and the beautiful thing is that, you know, our friends and family and staff that are there, which most, most of our staff happens to be former guests. Um, they all have that same mindset. And I probably because when they were there at the ranch, they they felt that same energy there, the same spirit. And so they came to us and said, we'd like to we'd like to be here. How can we also help the big mission of what's going on here? So I think it's a palpable feeling when you're on the land. I'm sure that's true everywhere. Um, and specifically on that piece of land, um, it is, uh, we have that feedback quite often. 
um, we'll have guests say, I'm not sure what's going on here, but <laughs> like, I'm not sure what's going on with this, with this site, but boy, um, it is felt and appreciated and there's, there's, they're left with reverence for it. Yeah, we certainly were. And, and I also thought that was really cool that the staff that I met were former guests that had decided also to move across the country or, you know, in some, some instances further yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, on the land, you know, we saw the horses, but you had many other things going on, uh, on the ranch. Uh, talk a little bit about, about what a guest might see when, when they come and stay with you. Yeah. So our hope is that when guests come, that their desire is to come and be part of a working ranch, part of a ranch that is practicing regenerative agriculture. And so the invitation for a guest is come be part of the staff. We're going to kind of wrap you right into our family and head out on a day, you know, a day's chores, a day's errands, a, the tasks that need to be done for that day. And oftentimes they change, you know, depending on what's going on with livestock, you never know. So some, and um, we have found that uh, that's exactly what guests are looking for. They want to be part of um, the ranch. They want to learn. They want to understand uh, what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how the cattle in particular are tools in the regenerative agriculture. And so they, by horseback, they join us as we check on cattle, we move cattle, and we explain, here's our grazing plan. Um, you know, now it's time to move cattle from this pasture to this pasture. Um, and here's why. And here's what we're looking for, you know, as far as how it's being grazed. Have we, um, you know, when's the timing on moving the animals? And, and then, yes, we have um, some sheep there um, with the guardian, our two guardian dogs with the sheep, <laughs> Frankie and Gracie. Yeah, um, I love them. Yeah, they are amazing. And... And then some chickens. So we have eggs for our guests in the morning and we rotate the uh, mobile chicken coop around. So uh, in this um, coming season, we'll have the hogs will be up there. They stayed down um, this year, but we'll be bringing them up as well. And that way guests have an opportunity to also, again, it's not mandatory. It's all optional, but they can... Uh, take part in taking care of the variety of livestock, helping move them, um, and learn about soil health and learn about conservation and the work that we're doing on the land and then have fun while they're doing it. I, <laughs> our big goal is that we have fun, lots of laughter, um, and enjoying, I mean, enjoying the scenery while we're out there doing it, which is incredible as you saw. Yeah, it's majestic. And, yeah. and as if you're really focusing, I think, on, on working for the land, you know, that's you're going to enjoy hopefully what you're doing, because that's the commitment that you're making. Yeah, um, it's it, it's kind of like a, a almost like a 101 class. And if you're interested in doing this, you know, come and try it out and see what you think, because I would imagine it's certainly not for everybody. And and, you know, I've stated some glamping resorts where it's very much about relaxation and 
sitting by a fire, not moving much on a ranch, totally different. <laughs> uh, have you, what's been the process like of, of attracting guests? Have you gotten people kind of calling up and imagining something different and you've had to explain to them, well, that's not quite what it is. Yeah. When we first started, so 2015 is when we started on the ranch and we started more in that traditional dude ranch atmosphere. Um, and certainly the guests then are coming more, you know, looking more to be entertained, trail rides, that sort of thing. And, and we've gotten really clear as we've evolved. It's definitely been an organic um, evolution um, in doing more and more with um, the conservation work and agriculture and diversity of species. And um, now we're working with Audubon that we've, our message in marketing has gotten clear of attracting the right type of guests. Because certainly, um, you know, certainly in the past, there have been a couple times where, not many though, honestly, where a guest would come out and maybe be like, oh, I don't, you know, want to spend more time relaxing by the fire, which they certainly, that's always the option. It's, you know, there's often times where people might say, you know, I'm not going to head, I'm not going to go out on a ride today. I'm going to kick back with a book and that's fantastic. Um, and so now our goal is to attract um, guests that in some ways they're guests and they're students. Um, and that, and, and honestly, the last couple of years, our guests have been asking for that. Um, and, and, you know, like, hey, we want to do more work. <laughs> you know, we often are, you know, kind of balancing that piece around entertaining, providing a vacation spot, working ranch. And uh, so, so many guests have said, yeah, I want to go out, you know, a job that you think like nobody wants to go out and do that, you know, whether it's stringing barbed wire or they're like, no, we want to go do that. <laughs> so <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> we're in some ways there's this feedback loop that's started, you know, to happen. And so we're answering that. And it's while that's always been the dream is to land where we're headed this season. Um, our guests helped us claim that like, okay, we're going to do that. This 2023 we're claiming the time when guests arrive and they truly will become the staff um, and see it and have the opportunity to see it kind of behind the scenes. Um, and I think that's what people are, are hoping. And we're pretty much like that anyways. We're a pretty transparent group and it, it, it's an intimate setting. Uh, but this time we're this year, we're heading even more towards the educational aspect um, and advertising in a way that people who come are really clear about what they're signing up for so that you don't have a situation where someone's like, yeah, I didn't really care. I don't really want to learn about riparian restoration. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They'll be like, yeah, that's exactly, you know, what are you doing and why and how is this helping the watershed? So. Yeah, it's it's I think it's always great to learn about other people's lives and, and how they occupy their time. It creates empathy and understanding. I think sometimes we get siloed, especially, you know, coming out of the pandemic where we really were siloed. <laughs> it's, you kind of lose touch with humanity and 
what else is going on there. And I did read that you did a, a, a woman's retreat in September. So it sounds like you're also kind of coming up with specific events that are, that are aimed at, at educating on a specific topic. Do you do that often? And what are some of the events that you've done in the past? Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, we've done some women's retreats in the past, and we did have one in September. And in 2023, we're going to have two women's retreats. Um, we will continue again. We usually have a land health workshop um, that happens where people can come out and learn about erosion control or grazing practices. Um, and we have a photography retreat. Scheduled for September in 2023, um, called Healing Behind the Lens, or it was like Healing with the Lens in the Land. A dear friend of mine who's a professional photographer was out in October, and uh, she was like, Yeah, this is the year to do it. Um, and she's magnificent. So it will be a combination of, you know, being out on the land, hiking, riding, and then not so much technically about photography, uh, really about the, you know, just capturing the beauty and the energy of that land. So we have um, two open gates planned. So the open gate is the event that you and Christina participated in. We're going to have two this year. And then we cool. have two specific weeks that uh, family wilderness experiences. And those will be an opportunity, we think like one to two families to be able to come out, unplug, um, take a wagon ride up into um, the rye slough area of the ranch, which is, you know, technically the back, I can't say the back 40, it would be like the, <laughs> the back 2000 acres. Yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely, you know, just beautiful um, public lands that are part of the ranch. And to be able to camp and learn about um, building shelters and, um, you know, fire building and storytelling about the history and the culture of the area. Um, really a time to get back to nature and unplug as a family. So we're super, we're super excited about um, offering those two weeks. And then the working ranch experiences. Um and guests can stay in a glamping tent and take part in one of those experiences, or they can come and simply glamp. Like for the weekend, we have camping and glamping, and and those weekend experiences are more of the come, unplug, get away, be on the land, hike, um, you know, a respite. Yeah, and sometimes that's what you need is just yeah. a, a break. Yeah. And, and sometimes yeah. you need enrichment and fulfillment and, or you're looking for furthering your education that the survival family course sounds pretty fun. It's like a introduction to survival 101, just yes. in case someone wants to go on naked and afraid. They might start yeah, on your ranch. Exactly. This would be like the baby step to that. <laughs> Real baby step. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're on 6,500 acres. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the back 40 is actually the back 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you're not going to get obviously neighbors saying, Hey, keep it down. Or what are you guys doing over there? I have to imagine though, there were challenges when you were, uh, opening your business or wanting to do the things that you wanted to do could be zoning, could be permitting, could be both, uh, could be none, but I would imagine there were some challenges when you opened, what were some of the challenges that you faced, 
uh, when you were uh, trying to first open your doors? You know, honestly, I think because we took over an existing business that was doing um, a B&B and that sort of, uh, and we were fortunate enough, again, back in the spring of 2015, the couple that was there before, they were nice. They actually took bookings for us and they literally handed the baton over and, it, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you're up. And, you know, they, they headed back to upstate New York. So I think that's a really unique situation <laughs> when you purchase a place and you're purchasing the business with it, that we kind of just took off where they left. But from there is where, you know, kind of, had a few years where it was like, all right, kind of doing the same old thing. And then slowly getting some real clarity about the changes that we did want to make for the experiences for the public and just how we wanted to get involved in, um, you know, being, having impact on, on the land health and the ecology and the environment there. And, and I think it took a few years to learn about it to learn about what's going on here, what's happened in the past, and where do we need to head from this point forward? So I think, I think again, maybe it's rare. We were fortunate that we could step right in. And as far as um, we have no neighbors, um, so there's no, there's no um, issues with uh, noise or anything like that. I would say, what I've seen recently over the last, honestly, since COVID is that even though we're in the middle of nowhere, there's a huge, um, so many people are moving out to the West and in particular, the town that is near the ranch, Salida is quite a booming town. And so what happened, and a lot of people are buying second homes. And even though it's, an hour away, 45 minutes away, um, they come up to our, we're at just about 9,000 feet. And so they come up there to recreate, which is great. Um, and I think mostly we can have difficulties with the public coming on to the ranch and onto leases, not understanding how it works, not understanding how the public lands and leases work out there. Um, or hunters leaving gates open. So, and again, our hope is um, how do we educate um, the public about mm -hmm. how to, you know, how to have a relationship on public lands, but also honor that these public lands have leases like ourselves who have grazing leases, recreational leases, and we pay a lot of money to have those leases. So, um, you know, it's a, it's kind of a tricky dance of oftentimes coming across people on the land and explaining to them like, you know, hey, you know, technically you're supposed to have written permission to be on this land. And uh, a lot of times they're quite surprised by that. So again, we're back to education. <laughs> yeah, always. Well, probably always going to be an ongoing thing. Always. Uh, whether it's a planned program or you happen just to say, hey, can you shut my gate? Yeah. Yeah. But I at least feel like we're not going to have, you know, we're not threatened now with any, you know, a big subdivision coming up near us that suddenly people might have 
you know, have some uh, where it might clash with activities that we're doing. I, we're, we're quite protected right now in that way. So we'll see how long though that lasts. Yeah. Well, speaking of, of lasting, uh, I, I remember you telling me that it's seasonal uh, on the ranch and then you end up shutting it down and you have mm -hmm. a, another home that you live in. Um, when you first moved out there, was that the scenario? Did you end up getting two properties at once? Was it an evolution of, hey, it's going to be too cold here. We have to move. Yeah. Like, how did that work? Yeah, it, it was an evolution. Um Let's see, we had a farm back east, the same farm back east we had on the market. And it was a tricky time to sell. And our farm back east was also a unique property because it was retreat center slash farm slash historic old house. And uh, it didn't sell as quickly as we thought it was going to sell. So we had this, we had a period of time where we had that farm on the market and Dave, um, and my son were back there working on some, you know, trying to get that place sold. And, you know, I was out um, on the ranch with our previous partners, you know, running the business. And so in 2017, um, we purchased our place here in Coaldale, which it's about an hour um, south of the ranch And it, but it's like 2000 feet lower altitude. And so during the winter, um, it is, uh, it is not as harsh and it is definitely yeah. the place to be. Um, the ranch in the wintertime is, you know, so the first couple of years, yeah, it was open during the winter. We didn't take guests during the winter, but so much energy was used just to keep the driveway open from snow, you know, keeping the heat on. And you definitely deal with temperatures, you know, minus 20, minus 30. And it's just too harsh on the horses as well. So um, made a decision once we bought this place where we, where we winter, like the hardest part of the winter, and it has space. And so there's a huge migration that happens. Um, and actually, we're doing it this weekend. The lot, we winterized the house, um, the lodge at the ranch and the bunkhouse. And then the last of the horses come down and, you know, the, that's how the ute were on the land. You know, that was summer hunting grounds and they stayed there in the summer and then, and then came back down um, to lower altitudes for the winter. And it's certainly true. A lot of the ranching that happens up there, same thing. It's summer grazing grounds. And then the cattle, this is the time of year, the cattle all come down to the um, headquarters, ranch headquarters um, for the winter. So we're in sync, <laughs> we're in sync with nature, um, in sync with the local culture and the historical um, culture of the land and, and how people were in relationship with that land. So, um, yeah, so we got a busy weekend ahead of us coming up to do all of that work and being the last of the horses down here. And I think the horses are, they like it. It's a little bit warmer. Yeah. Chickens come down too. <laughs> Everything. Cattle, chicken. I mean, and that, you know, for us, our, the cattle that we have for, um, for the meat business, they come down, they finish grazing down here and then they go off to the processor and then, 
the remaining cattle are all, um, it's a custom grazing situation. So the rancher who owns those cattle, um, he's already picked them up and brought them back to his ranch. So um, in some ways we put it, it's like we put the ranch to rest. Like it's time for that long winter's nap and it's true for the fields and the pastures. Um, and then we come back in April and, and, you know, wake it up and activity begins again. Yeah. The cycle of life goes on. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is a, it's a beautiful, uh, I do feel like we're, we're in harmony with the season that way. So April through November, the ranch is kind of all consuming. Um, yeah. what is your life look like from November to April? Yeah. Um, Probably one of my favorite things to do, um, the gift, is to get up early, get the wood stove going, and read. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that's the thing I miss the most about the summer is it's so busy. Um, so I finally get to the stack of books that I want to get to before going out. It's a lot of feeding animals. Um, so there's still a lot of animal care that's happening. Um, taking uh, bookings. So just a lot of emails and calls and talking to future guests, planning for retreats. Um, so yeah, planning is a lot of it. Um, so it's still active, but not as physically challenging as it is um, spring through fall, which again, as it should be, <laughs> need a little downtime. It's when I can go glamping. <laughs> There you go. Or perhaps, uh, just go lay by a pool yeah. when you, when you, tra when you travel, uh, which sounds like it's not often, but when you get the opportunity, um, where have some of your favorite places been or, or where are some places that you'd, hmm. you'd like to see, whether it's glamping or whether again, it's just laying by a pool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely an active type. So right now we're still, I know Dave and I are still taking, uh, weekends to see parts of Colorado that we haven't seen. I mean, we, when we, as uh, ranching and farming is all consuming and there's not many breaks that happen. So when we do have the opportunity to have someone come and watch the animals and get away for a couple of days, it's seeing sites in, um, in Colorado. Uh, we had the opportunity a few weeks ago to go down to um, Mesa Verde, which was definitely on my bucket list. Um, so, well, sometimes we'll go east and, and visit family. Most of our family is still on the east coast, so we'll see family. And I think, um, bucket list, we had a guest, uh, who was with us this last season from Western Ireland. And, uh, yeah, she extended an invitation. And after seeing the pictures, that has definitely been on my mind. So we're still looking at, gosh, how can we get to, how can we get to the wilds of Ireland <laughs> and, and stay in a, you know, a thatched, thatched uh, roofed cottage, you know, whitewashed cottage. I mean, that's definitely on my bucket list. So I think I'm going to add that to my bucket list too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ride some of the you know Irish ponies out there. So, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. 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 Or was, Iceland. Uh, I think that's another one. Iceland would also be on my, my bucket list after watching a few documentaries. Um, 
I, and in getting out there and watching, you know, riding those wild ponies out on the land, I think that's also there as well. So we've got a few things, you know, they're not lined up yet. Um, I think still exploring the beauties of, of Colorado uh, is on our, on our list. Well, there's so much to see in the state. I feel the same too. It's, it's, uh, we're very fortunate to live in the surroundings that we do. A year ago today, in fact, uh, I was riding Icelandic horses in Iceland. My wife and I had taken a trip there and I will say it's, uh, almost like you're on another planet, not the horses, but I'm just Iceland in general. It's looks so different. And the Icelandics are very different. Um, oh. especially for a six foot four guy. <laughs> <laughs> Your feet must've been on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just slightly off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but a lot of fun. Mm. Well, um, in the future, you, you've talked about things that you want to add on as far as programs and things. Uh, do you see the ranch as, as the, the rest of your future and you're going to continue to build there? Is this your forever home? Um, or are you thinking you might make a move to Iceland? <laughs> Oh, that'd be interesting. Um, I, this is definitely our, you know, our forever home. As far as the, the future of the ranch, um, that's actually a lot of what we're in conversation now. We have a nonprofit um, arm to the ranch and really looking at how do we, how do we set things up in the future for perpetuity? How do we ensure that this land can stay um, in conservancy and trust and that the practices that we are doing on the land, agricultural practices and regenerative agriculture, we are looking at ways to ensure that that lives on long after, I mean, you know, we're uh, obviously we'll hit a point of, you know, some sort of retirement um, and the hope is that that next generation, whether it's some of our apprentices or apprentices from a, a future stay at the ranch, um, you know, there's opportunities where we can be a platform for these young people where they could come to us and like, hey, we have an idea, you know, we'd like to do this business. We would like to have a small um, cattle business. Um it's really important to us to support that next generation, but also to ensure that they're here to be the next generation of farmers and ranchers. Um, since we are, a, you know, it's a, there's so many statistics out there about, um, you know, the turnover, the amount of land that's going to be turning over here in the next few years, because the average age of the farmer and rancher is, um, I think it's like 65 and there's not a lot, in those families that want to take on the family ranch or the, the family farm. And so, but there cer certainly are a lot of interested young people and a lot of them from the city who see that um, a lot needs to be done when it comes to agriculture and um, doing this in a way that actually is beneficial to the environment um, with carbon sequestration and so many other, um, there's just so much work being done in regards to um, that regenerative uh, work. And so we're hoping that that can live on at Badger Creek Ranch and that it may not be us that's doing it, 
um, you know, we may stay on the board and vicariously be living through these young people as they can kind of carry the torch on in the future, but also to keep it as a, um, an education center, you know, a, a really an educational center that happens to be located on a working ranch. And so that's mm -hmm. the, that's the dream and, uh, uh, created this, um, community membership to have people like, well, literally come be part of the family and help us with all this public interest work that we're doing on the land. And, and it gives people an opportunity to stay on the, you know, stay part of the, I don't know, I guess the heartbeat of the land and everything that we're doing so they can stay connected, they can visit, they can volunteer, they can, you know, attend events. And um, we're super excited about that. Yeah, a little dose of mindfulness, I yeah. think, could help us all. <laughs> I agree, especially especially <laughs> these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chrissy, uh, I, I conclude every interview with a set of questions that were was put together by a, a gentleman named Bernard Puvo. Uh, this list of questions was made famous uh, on a show called Inside the Actor Studio, which was uh, conducted by James Lipton. I remember. I was a huge, huge, yeah, it's a good show. Uh, but this is just a list of questions. Uh, answer whatever comes to mind first. Um, first question is, what is your favorite word? Love. What is your least favorite word? <laughs> Hate. <laughs> what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Uh, watching, honestly, watching um, people, guests, friends leave the ranch and seeing their transformation, seeing the tears in their eyes, seeing, um, feeling it in their hug, um, knowing that some part of them has changed for the better. That jazzes me like nothing else <laughs> that they'll make changes in their life. I mean, I, and it's, you know, it's everything. It's the people, it's the land there. But being witness to that is a humbling experience. Yeah. What turns you off? Mm. Um, what I call it? Um, current state of um, the current state of the human condition, the um, us and them the um, labeling of people, ostracizing um, negativity, that turns me off like it's uh, depressing. Yeah, depressing. I agree. What is your favorite curse word? Mm, gosh, what do I find myself saying? Uh, I would say fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I would say I, I was just thinking about like when I'm fencing and something isn't going right, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> that tends to be, it's a phrase. That's what I should say. It's actually a phrase. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> or any derivative. Any least, derivative. As long as it includes fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you love? Mm, um, livestock. I love the sounds. <laughs> You know, I'm, I love the sound in the morning when the sheep greet me, chickens, 
except hogs. I will say when the hogs all get going when they're hungry, that's actually has quite a demonic sound to it. But so cattle, <laughs> horses, sheep, um, I absolutely adore the sound of um, the animals greeting me in the morning. And then um, the sound of my grandchildren's voices. They're both. They're both right there. Yeah. Uh, I might know the answer to this, but what sound or noise do you hate? Hmm. Um, gosh, honestly, TV. <laughs> so, so TV, TV is more demonic. <laughs> so TV is more demonic than the sound yeah. of hogs. <laughs> no, I would, yeah. It, um, yeah. I mean, anything that like competes with the sound of silence, anything, you know, whether, and it's not all TV, but it's just that kind of the constant noise that's going on in the background, um, traffic. Um, yeah, I just, I, and I'm spoiled because being on the ranch, there's just, it's hard to find truly silent places anymore. And so I'm a bit, um, I guess, yeah, spoiled, um, conditioned so that I'm pretty sensitive to sound. And, and I do have a hard time when there's just a lot of noise or like dueling sounds going on at the same time. I don't, I don't do well with that. Yeah. It sounds like a good thing to be spoiled on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm. Well, I'm also an artist. Uh, and so I have attempted that, not professionally. Um, so I think that um, doing art professionally and photography, honestly, I've never, but something in along those lines um, is definitely always called to me as well. Cool. What profession? would you not like to do? Uh, any profession that would put me in a cubicle. <laughs> it's just. It, it, I, maybe if the cubicle is 6,500 acres, it'd be okay. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. The cubicle is in my saddle. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't, I just being at a, anything with a computer for long periods of time in a cubicle. I mean, I pay homage to people that do that. You know? Like, wow, it's amazing. I, I don't have the constitution for it. Yeah. Last question. Um, and I'll, I'll use the word heaven kind of just meaning the next phase. Mm. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, uh, gosh. <sighs> I, my hope would be um, just a gratitude, you know, gratitude for being part of, like, part of the sequence of humans who have devoted their lives to tending land and to um, doing the best they can for the earth. So I don't know so much if it would be just a, you know, a personal um to me personally, but like, thanks be, for being part of the collective 
of people who did their best, um, who did their best for the earth. Well, I can certainly say from my vantage point, I think you're doing that. And so again, thanks for your time coming on. It was really a pleasure speaking with you. I'm looking forward to the next trip out to Badger Creek. Uh, this time it'll be longer than two days and we'll be happy to string barbed wire or whatever it takes. <laughs> we would love to have you and it was great talking with you. And uh, I, I sure look forward to that. Thank you, Chrissy. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Bobby. Take care. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and listening in on the conversation I was fortunate enough to have with Chrissy McFerrin. I think she's a wonderful human being and I love her mission of land preservation and conservation and the fact that she teaches those things as part of her educational programs that she offers to guests of her ranch. If you would like to be a guest at Badger Creek Ranch, you can book directly on their website, which is www.badgercreekranch.com. Again, that is www.badgercreekranch.com. And if you'd like to subscribe to the Glampshuary podcast, you can do so on our website, which is located at www.glampshuary.com. Again, that is www.glamptuary.com. We hope to see you down the trail, and until we do, I wish you all safe travels. <laughs>